Hey, on this episode, I speak to Socrates, founder and CEO of Jane Technologies. Jane is a cannabis retail tech company. They've raised over $127 million from top investors. The biggest takeaway was that they grew from 100 million pre-COVID in GMB to over 3 billion at the end of 2021. Socrates does not attribute this growth to some crazy growth tactic or hack. He attributes to standardizing data which I was like, how is that connected? They created UPC codes for the cannabis industry in the early days when no one else had done it. They built a foundation that was strong enough so that when their time came and COVID happened, they were able to withstand the growth. Welcome to Zendesk for Startups Founder Podcast, where we interview top founders on all things customer, growth, retention, expansion. It's our goal to help you learn from the best by hearing exactly what they did, so you can apply those similar approaches to your seed and Series A company. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder in Silicon Valley VC. I currently manage VC and startup partnerships at Zendesk for Startups here in Silicon Valley. This podcast is put together by Zendesk for Startups. We offer six months free for qualified high growth startups. Check us out at zendesk.com slash startups. Shout out to our friends at Segment Twilio. They're the leading customer data platform that I'm sure you've all heard of. Check out their link in the show notes. Socrates, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for being on here. And just would first just want to dive into, you know, when did you first found Jane Technologies? We founded the company in October of 2015. I remember signing the incorporation paperwork in the lobby of like a La Quinta Inn somewhere in Colorado, because I was, I was working at another company at the time. And I remember signing the incorporation paperwork and asking myself, wow, I wonder if this company will actually ever look like a real company. And I'm still trying to, to, to answer that. We've been at this thing for about seven years, six and a half years. We launched in April of 2017 on 420 of all days. So we're going to come up on our five-year anniversary of, of actually launching the product. But I was talking about this with my wife the other day. I've now been working on Jane as long as I was on active duty in the army. And for me, that's kind of a, a trip because the army defines so much of who I was. It's no longer who I am. And now Jane is an equal size chapter in the story of, of my life. It's been a pretty fun ride so far, fun adventure. That's cool. Well, thanks for your service. That's, that's an amazing, like you don't see that jump a lot, unfortunately, right? Yeah, no, definitely not. I think as veterans, no one ever tells you that you could actually do more than just fly a helicopter or drive a tank or jump out of an airplane or do ops or work for the DOD. It's a wonderful journey. It's a, uh, it's a long journey back to the self after you get out. And once you do that, you start realizing, man, okay, I wasn't an Apache helicopter pilot. I was just doing that. I was kind of sitting in that seat. And just like I don't really identify as a tech CEO or founder, that's just what I'm doing right now. With that change of perspective, it kind of helps a lot. And um, starting to see more and more veterans of this generation believe in themselves to be able to do whatever they love. And uh, that's beautiful to see. We're coming back home fully. That's so cool. And the identity switch. I know we could do a whole podcast on just that, but identity uh, is so mm. easy to put on. But it's not who we are. It's just what, it's what we're doing at that time. But it's, yeah. And I can't imagine the military. It's got to be even more. Well, I mean, just the, what was the original product when you started? This is always a fun question to ask because you see the yeah. pivot. But were you doing the same thing you are now with Jane? Same thing, man. I think it's evolved as with everything, but the core is there. The core has always been cannabis helped me so much. It helped so many of my friends come out of the service. And the more we did research on the plant, you know, the benefits that this has not only on human beings, but society as a whole is powerful. 
And that has always been the fire burning inside our bellies, really. The mission is to go and provide safe access to a plant that helps a lot of people in this world. How we go about doing that has evolved. Our focus was just to allow people to place an order for cannabis online. That was it back in the day, 2017. Like that was, that was a pretty big deal. But as you start working on stuff, as you know, Adam, right? Building companies, things evolve. We as human beings, we evolve. You know, I had dreams at the age of five. Those are evolving. I think hopefully this is the core is there to help people, but it's, you know, it's taking up different flavors and different turns. But now what we've uncovered is that um, this industry really is, is the best incubator for what the future of commerce will look like. This combination of online and offline is a wonderful marriage. And we're starting to see that expedited through the pandemic. But at first it was just, okay, maybe I can get my, my food delivered to me. But now it's household goods. Now it's groceries. Now it's stuff at Best Buy and Target and Walmart. And that's wonderful. But I just named very large companies, right? In cannabis, there is no Walmart or Target. There is no Square. There is no big companies out there. There's no Shopify, really. And so here you have enormous demand in the size of tens of billions of dollars, fragmented and broken up across different state markets, powered by little small businesses. My God, what a cool landscape, right, to recreate and redefine what e-commerce is. As much as I love Amazon and DoorDash and, and, and the others, there always has seemed to be for the past 30 years, this winner and loser mentality. And the tech company always seems to be the winners, the expense of potentially some others, not directly. They didn't, no one set out to do that. It's just a byproduct of that. What I'm proud of the team about is a lot of things, but one of them is just staying disciplined and holding ourselves accountable to say, okay, the decisions we make will have impacts for years to come. So should we really go chase this short-term win or should we think more long-term and strategic? I'm glad that at the important times, we've always chose to take that long-term strategic lens because we understand that what we do today will set the infrastructure and set the groundwork and the foundation for how this industry looks, not only here in the US or Canada, but globally. And if we can do it right, where there is no zero sum game, we've done well by doing good. And we hope other people copy us here moving forward. And we're starting to see that that to be the case. And that's a wonderful thing. So it's, it's evolved into being more of a digital infrastructure for this industry rather than just focusing on online menus. Um, and you only can get to there if you really kind of focus on one thing, try to do it as best you can. And you have the right intentions. I think, uh, you know, the rest will take care of itself. I love that. I love that focus. And then you're just looking at it in a broader way. If Walmart, if Amazon started selling books, they're, they're like, hey, it's not just about that. We're helping people consume and get the things that they need. And it sounds exactly. like you're making that same step. I, I love that. Just in terms of just where you are now quickly, like how, what's your GMV right now or, or the main metric that you track? Yeah. Like just to kind of give the audience a size. We power about 3,000 businesses, cannabis businesses in, uh, in North America. Uh, last year, we did a, just over $3 billion in GMV, which is a big number. Uh, but behind that number is even more important, Adam, and it is that, you know, not only are, are we helping $3 billion worth of cannabis find its home to people who need that, um, that medicine, whether they realize it or not, it is, it is helping them. But on the backside of that, too, it's that's $3 billion worth of transactional volume that we've helped bring into local economies, empowering dispensaries so that 
they can focus on the in-store experience and, and we can help them with the automation and the, and the digital experience. So yeah, it's a big number we, we, that will continue to grow, uh, but it's behind that number that really kind of fills our hearts and, and is really fulfilling for us. Oh, absolutely. Then congrats. That's huge. I, Thanks, I'm excited to kind of to jump into just one of the most impactful tactics or strategies that you employed at the early days to really hit that first boom. Like, wow, we have, you know, maybe you went from 10 businesses that you're helping to maybe a couple hundred or a thousand. Um, is there any like one that sticks out that we could talk about? You, you obviously have the pandemic, which was the, the, you know, a hockey stick moment for any e-commerce business in this world. That's just fortune and good positioning and good preparation, but we, we wouldn't have been able to kind of ride through that pandemic and scale at the rate that we were scaling. You know, for, we did 3 billion in GMV in, in 2021. In 2019, we did 100 million. So the scale is enormous, right? But you talk about that decision that we made up front, and that is just almost a maniacal obsession with organizing really clean market basket information. When we started, there was no UPC in cannabis. There still really isn't, right? And when you asked about data, people got really apprehensive about data because we were just emerging from the illicit market. And, and some operators were like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to, I don't deal with data. This is all word of mouth. And we would ask them, you know, how do you know what to carry? How do you know how to price? How do you know who your customers are? How do you know what deals to send out at the right times? And they, they weren't lying. They were really savvy operators, but it wasn't so sustainable or scalable, really, right? You're going by word of mouth. And so this maniacal obsession and what we recognized early was if we can build the catalog for the industry, and now we've amassed about 900,000 SKUs across North America, where we are not only collecting product information, but we're standardizing the taxonomy of, of this information, serving size, categories, subcategories. And against that, if some people might misspell some things, some people might abbreviate some things across different stores, right? It's the ability to cleanse that information in real time. And we have a pretty robust IP portfolio at this point in time that allows us to go into inventory systems, cleanse information, standardize that information, and then with that information now, we can build derivative businesses, right? Our first one was e-commerce. We have an ads business that's taking off. We have an analytics business that's taking off. There's some other things that we're going to work on that's going to be really, really exciting. For the consumer now, you can compare by price. You can read over a million verified reviews. So in looking back, that decision and kind of full circle, Adam, that the decision not to take the short-term approach and just say, man, this is too hard. It's going to take too much time. Let's not do this. We said, okay, eventually data is going to be the backbone of this industry. Let's organize this information now when it's seemingly not valuable or takes too long. Let's go and do that. You know, and we're, I'm super glad we did because now we can, with, at scale, spin off little adjacencies and go into different parts of the value chain. Um, and it's a natural extension of the business, not something that we have to rebuild every single time. So I think that was a really, really important piece. Absolutely. And I think it's just like what you did, you made a long-term strategic move versus short-term. And I, and like, we all would agree 
that as a founder, that that's the right thing to do. But I think when it actually comes down to it, and it's like, hey, we got that board meeting coming up and we got to be yeah. raising our series, our series A again. We are, our runways 18 months. Like it starts to get real. And yeah. so to make that long-term decision is really hard in the face of that. So I'm wondering how you weighed that decision to make this long-term thing that's not going to produce any fruit for maybe a year or more while still having to execute on the shorter term execution. So like just to continue the traction and show to your investors that this is worth continuing instead of just take my word for it. And I'll talk to you in a couple of years. It's a, it's, you've spoken like a true founder, Adam. Um, and not just, not just an investor, you know, I can't tell you how grateful we are for our early retail partners who believed in us because we automate everything on their menus. And there were times when there was stuff on their menus that wasn't on our catalog yet. And these early dispensary partners trusted us and said, okay, I understand what you guys are building and I want to be a part of that. And I'm going to trust you guys. So first I want to shout out the early adopters on the retailers, you know, and they know who they are. And then also I want to shout out our, our team, particularly our partner success team, their account management team. They were the ones educating the market as to why these retailers really should be trusting us because eventually this was going to make their life easier. Eventually it was going to give them clarity on their data. And then they were in turn going to be able to operate a lot more efficiently and optimize their revenue and understand their customer base a lot better. And so our, it was this wonderful relationship between our partners, our retail partners, we call them partners, not even our customers, and then our partner success team, as we were building this industry together. And I think that's really, really important is inviting your customers into your vision and having them feel like they can participate and have some sense of ownership in the journey along with you. We've held on to partners for five years and not the easiest time sometimes. And that that's a real relationship. In the quick service restaurant industry, that's not there, right? Go call up any restaurant and say, hey, do you love your provider, your, your delivery provider? And of course, they're going to say no, right? And that's, that's not what we're trying to build. This in, we're trying to build an industry together. And the only way you can do that is, number one, if you have a very committed team, and we do, and our, our partner success team is, they're, they're so wonderful. And number two, it's the, the counterparty saying, okay, I get what you guys are doing. You're educating me the right way. And yes, I want to participate. And I understand the value that you're going to bring to me in the long term. And here we are, you know, five years later, and some of these businesses are enormous now. And they've grown and we've grown together and we've learned along the way. And so I think that balance of staying true to your vision and educating people as to, hey, work with us on this, I, I think is, is wonderful. And, and we have to hold ourselves accountable to honor that trust and honor our relationship. We, we will always do that. Man, that's cool. And it's like taking the time to bring them along, to get them excited and not just rushing past that and expecting that they're going to get that. It, it sounds like instead of pushing the boulder up the hill, like you're just recruiting more people to go with yeah. you. And I love that. Socrates, this has been incredible, man. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing everything. Of course. Thanks so much, Adam, for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining today. I loved how Socrates focused on the unsexy things before they had the crazy growth. And this enabled them to have a foundation that could withstand the growth that happened during COVID, getting to over 3 billion in GMB. For me, the, the biggest takeaway is like, stop focusing on the shiny things, do the hard things right. When your time has come, you'll be able to support the growth. 
If you like us, make sure to subscribe to our, our latest episodes.